Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. If you think our podcast is worthwhile, we'd appreciate it if you could write a review of our podcast on the platform you're listening to us on or give us a rating so we can move up the charts. These big tech companies use things like that to determine which podcast to promote and get in front of a larger audience. And it'll be great for us. If you feel our podcast brings value to people and you feel others could benefit from listening, please take a few minutes to give us a rating or review, which we very much appreciate. And one more thing, if you'd like to support us further, you can do so by going to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a financial contribution for as little as $5, either a one-time donation or a monthly donation. We greatly appreciate it. Now, this is a very special time for a very special person. It marks the 10-year anniversary of being cancer-free for my co-host, Corey Yelland. And today, we're going to talk to her about her journey. Corey, are you nervous? Extremely. (laughs) (laughs) Corey, do you often think about the day you were given your death sentence of two to four months to live with anal canal cancer? I reflect on it fairly often. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Just because the whole experience was so surreal, the way he was so nonchalant about it, you know, well, this is the worst part of the body to treat. You know, you're going to have second and third degree burns, vaginally, rectally, perianally. We'll try not to uh, hit your coccyx and your pubic bone. You know, your vagina will probably seal shut. Don't worry about if your rectum feels sealed shut, we'll go take you up to the OR. And it was just all so blasé. And I felt like I was in a meat market. So, yeah, I reflect on that a lot. And I reflect on him walking out on me and telling me I had a death wish in two to four months to live. I think about that a lot, that part. Yeah, when we've interviewed uh, hundreds of people and they're given that death sentence, uh, a lot of people, they don't even know what the doctor told them after they were given only months or weeks to live. And tell us about going home after your diagnosis. What was that like for you? Pretty surreal. Pretty surreal. Disbelief. Disbelief was the first thing. I mean, they told me right out of the gate that I had cancer. Then they took me into the operating room and did biopsies to determine, you know, just how far it had gone. So I had that appointment. Then I went back to the surgeon. And that's when he said, how's radiation coming? And I told him I wasn't doing it. But in between then, I had gone to the cancer clinic. And it was at the cancer clinic that they told me all of the horrific stuff. Well, they actually did not tell it all to me. I had to keep asking them and they were avoiding my questions. But at any rate, that's when they said two to four months, 
six on the outside. And when I told him I wanted time to think about it, he told me I had a death wish and walked out on me. So it was pretty surreal. I felt pretty alone. It was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? Okay. That was the first thing. And disbelief, just disbelief. And how did you happen to come upon cannabis? My sister. My sister has a friend who's actually the daughter of a physician. And sister had mentioned to her friend what was going down with me. And she sent her the Run From the Cure video with it featuring, you know, the story of Rick Simpson and how he brought cannabis oil back to the forefront. And that's how I first found out about it. And this was in early days, wasn't it? I mean, 10 yes, years ago, very few people knew anything about cannabis oil. Yeah, actually, well, it would have been 11 years ago because I didn't go back to the doctor for a year. So it would have uh, been 11 years ago, yeah. 11 years ago. Yeah. Now, when you watch the video run from the cure. What did you think? Well, okay. So to set the stage, I used to counsel terminally ill cancer patients and their families coming from a holistic vein. So I thought I knew everything there was to know about holistic ways of clearing cancer. And I could see this was an hour long. So it took me quite some time to start watching it. And I only started watching it because my sister called and said, you know, have you watched it yet? And I thought, oh, geez, I'm going to watch five minutes of it a day to get her off my back. So I started to watch it and I was blown away by what I was hearing. So I watched the entire video and then I watched it again. And I was flabbergasted that maybe in quotations, it could be this easy in that I didn't have to go through all the horrific treatment. So then, then, you know, as I've said in many interviews, you know, then I picked up the phone and called a physician friend of me, mine in Italy, who's, you know, was one of the first doctors that was ticketed to be both a naturopathic doctor and a, what we would term regular doctor. And he said, oh, Corey, we've been treating cancer with cannabinoids for years here. And so that's when I first started like really re researching it and did so for the next two weeks. So after your conversation with the fellow in Italy, did you psychologically know that this would work for you? I don't know if I knew it would work for me. I knew that if anything was going to work, this was going to be it. But when I think about that, when I took go a step further, I don't think there was really ever any doubt in my mind that it would. Although I have to tell you, I mean, I, I fluctuated, okay? You know, I'm looking at that syringe of black crap and going, this is going to save my life? Because admit it, you know, it's a little far-fetched, right? But, I, you know, hey, I was willing to go for it. I made the deals with God, me, the unreligious one. All right, even if you just hold it at bay, I'll be good with that, okay? Yeah. Did yeah. you keep looking at the calendar thinking, Jesus, another day's passed, another day's passed? Yeah. Okay. So I was told that I had two to four months. Okay. And I got mm -hmm. that news delivered to me end of August. So, you know, if you do the math, September, October, November, December. So I figured I wasn't going to be here for Christmas. All right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do any Christmas shopping. <laughs> And then it got to about three weeks before Christmas. And I went, holy shit, I'm still alive. You know, guess maybe I should start thinking about Christmas. Because I, I really hadn't counted on being there. So, Now, how did you uh, get the oil? 
Well, so that was a bit of a journey. I, uh, you know, went to my doctor, first of all, and tried to get a paperwork, you know, recommending me for medical cannabis. And that didn't go down, you know, and I've spoke about that a lot before. So then I went to the Compassion Club and they said, no, they couldn't do it. Not without, uh, you know, letters from the doctor and stuff. So then I went to the Victoria Cannabis Buyers Club and I spoke with Ted Smith there and I had medical documentation you know, and I had that all with me saying that I had terminal cancer. So that was good enough for them. So I was able to join the Victoria Cannabis Buyers Club. So I figured I was home free. But when I got up to the counter after doing the orientation, I said, I'd want to buy some oil. They said, we don't have it because it was way back in the early days, right? No dispensaries mm-hmm. carried oil. And mm-hmm. I was dumbfounded. I'm like, what do you mean you don't carry it? And I said, we don't have it. And I remember this feeling of utter desperation and despair. Like, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to get this? So (laughs) we made it. My friends, my dear, dear friends who all chipped in money because I was on disability. I wasn't making ends meet. They would all chip in money and we'd buy a little bit of cannabis and we'd make oil out of it. But the first time we made oil, so special, we made it in somebody's backyard and he didn't even tell his partner that's what we were doing. Mm. So his partner was oblivious, and we all had written instructions on how to not blow each other up. And we had, I think, two ounces of cannabis the first time, which only makes a very, very little amount. Okay, mm-hmm. but we managed to do it. We managed to make it without getting into any trouble or whatever. And that's how the journey started. Corey, at that time, did you know about suppositories? No, no. You just you just took it orally. I just took it orally. Yeah. The protocol, which has been going around for a number of years, is get up to a gram a day for ninety days. But you never got up to a gram a day, did you? No, it was, and it was all about doing sixty grams in ninety days. I never got up to a gram. I think at most I got up to two thirds of a gram. Because I didn't do 60 grams in 90 days, and keeping in mind, there's no other Facebook groups out on this or anything then. I'm just completely and utterly on my own. Because I hadn't done 60 grams in 90 days, I figured there was absolutely no reason to go to the doctor because I was still going to have cancer. And I didn't want any more bad news. I didn't want to hear that it had gotten worse. And now I had like, you know, one week or something. So I didn't go because I hadn't done it, quotations, the right way. I kind of dragged myself to the doctor. I think at the, uh, about the 13, 14 month mark is when I finally went back to the doctor. It was at least a year. And I mean, there was no, none so stunned as myself when he told me he couldn't see anything. I mean, I was dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. So you made it past Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> now, I just want to back up here because Lisa, my wife, listened to a podcast the other day. This is a podcast on cannabis, and the person on the podcast was interviewing a doctor. And this doctor knew nothing about cannabis oil or suppositories. He never mentioned it at all. And I think the general belief amongst people is that the use of cannabis, marijuana, is simply smoking it. Do you get a lot of that when you talk to people? I 
would say a large portion of people think that smoking it is the only way to do it. And also that they think that smoking it will clear cancer. Mm. That's something that's disturbing to me because it's nowhere near strong enough. It's nowhere near concentrated enough to, to clear anything. So in your journey, you're taking cannabis oil orally. And one of the things that you've mentioned uh, to me when, when I first met you was that you had had open heart surgery. And after taking cannabis oil for many months, you just felt like a different person. Explain that. I actually felt like a di different person within 10 days of taking it, you know, because then I got off all those painkillers and stuff. I'd had that condition, post-sternotomy syndrome, for, for five years, ever since open heart surgery. And I was like this little old lady doubled over with no quality of life whatsoever on copious amounts of opiates. So to get off of those opiates was amazing. I, it was like I was reborn. I would pass people on the street that knew me and they wouldn't even recognize me. That's the, that was the difference. And it, it happened very quickly. Mm. Yeah, within a few weeks. And I remember, you know, um, my friends had varying degrees of enthusiasm about what I was going to do to combat this cancer. And one of them was a little more hesitant about what I was doing. I ran into him about two weeks later after I'd started oil. And he says, you look amazing. And he said, my God, even your skin is different. You look completely different. And he was very, very surprised. Did he know you had cancer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He knew I had cancer and he knew that I had chosen to do oil. But he was one of the ones that was more skeptical about it. I had mm -hmm. some that were like, yeah, yeah, go for it. And others that were more reserved about it. Yeah. Now, when you went back to the doctor, I guess about a year later, mm -hmm. was the doctor surprised to see you? I don't know if he was surprised to see me. Because he knew what I was doing, okay? So he, so I had the two GPs. So, you know, I had the one that didn't believe in cannabis. And, it, you know, she shared the office with my other GP, uh, who was not pro-cannabis either. And then I had, this guy was the specialist. And he, he was the one that went, so how's the radiation going? And I said, well, we need to talk. And you know, <laughs> I told him all about the Run From The Cure video. And he had listened, you know, very attentively to me for 10, 15 minutes. And then walked across the room, got down on one knee, took his hands in mine and, or my hands in his and said, I want you to know that I'll follow you all the way on this and support you. Wow. So, yeah. He, he admitted that he knew nothing about it. So, no, I don't think he was surprised to see me. He was definitely surprised at the change for sure mm -hmm. for sure now tell me about the day that you got the all clear okay well the first time that i went back there he examined me and he had a very strange look on his face and he said you know i'm sorry would you mind if i examined you again and then he did it again and then he apologized and said you know asked if he could do one more and he looked at me and he said, it's gone. It's completely gone. So, you know, that's when he said, I'd like to take it in, you into the operating room and do some biopsies just to make sure some rogue cells somewhere. But, and I was convinced actually that there may still be 
but he was absolutely flabbergasted. He, he actually said to my GP that he would have never known that I'd ever had cancer had he not seen it for himself. He just was absolutely blown away. And uh, when we walked out into the, because he actually walked me out to the waiting room and he said to, to his receptionist, could you please book this cancer free with cannabis woman for a biopsy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I, when I was actually in the, in the operating room for the biopsies, he was telling everybody, you know, like all the attendants there, et cetera, the anesthetist, yeah, so she cured her cancer with cannabis. And they're like, no way. So yeah, we, we had quite the conversation. Yeah, it's certainly different. You were lucky, Corey, that you got a, a very receptive doctor. And you, you and I know that we've done over 350 interviews, and we've had people tell us that their doctor was adamantly opposed to the use of cannabis. And if you use cannabis, they weren't going to see them again. Yeah, you know, when I'm speaking to patients, particularly cancer patients in the States, I always say to them, unless you are 100% sure you're going to get a positive response when you tell the doctor that you're using cannabis, don't tell them. Um, because particularly in the States is where I see this happen, where patients will get dropped by their doctors like a hot potato. Mm. You know? it's, I saw it basically say, tell them when all is said and done. You know, like Bob and Tammy there with the uh, pancreatic, eh? Uh, yeah. That's what they did. They waited till afterwards, you know, unless you're you're positive. Because you do. it's good to have somebody following you to, you know, do like blood tests or scans or whatever. What was it like the day that you, you got the all clear and you, you left the doctor's office? You must have had a hell of a big smile on your face. Oh, I had my friend in the waiting room and my ex who we were very very good friends and I walked out and I was crying so they think the worst has happened mm -hmm. we walk out of the office and I look at them and I go I'm cancer free and they're like what and we're all like I'm crying now <laughs> it was like amazing it was it was surreal it was absolutely surreal. And then we're in the parking lot and my girlfriend's phoning her daughter and I phoned my son. And that was pretty emotional because my son, when I had been diagnosed, he was just so solid. You know, he's not a, a man of many words, but he said to me, I want you to know I'll support you, whatever your decision. Because I had said to him, I don't know, Michael, you know, quality or quantity, i.e. do I do the radiation, cut poison, burn rate, or do I do the oil? And and he had told me he'd, he'd support me regardless of my decision. But when I phoned him to tell him that I was cancer-free, he said to me, you know, do you remember when I told you that I would support you, you know, regardless of what you decided? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, when you told me that you had decided to do oil, I thought to myself, I have my mom for six more months. Because mm. he honestly didn't think that I would, would make it. So, How does he feel today? I think he's pretty glad. <laughs> I think he's pretty glad, yeah. Yeah, he, he knows what you do. He knows what I do, yeah. Now, tell me about the direction your life took after this. As you've mentioned on many occasions, when you started this, there were very few people into cannabis oil. Now it is 
much more readily accepted, even by doctors. You've dealt with doctors who Mm -hmm. have contacted you and want to know more about it. And how did you get on this path of helping others? I don't know, but if I find out, maybe I'll take another turn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I think I was on a couple of cancer pages and there's somebody was really distraught. And I said, look, you know, there is another way. And then somebody reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, you, you cleared yourself with cannabis oil. We do a show. Would you come on? And that was the first interview I ever did. And that was quickly followed by somebody else that heard that by another interview. And so then it started kind of snowballing because people mm-hmm. would share the interview. So I started getting all these different friend requests. Would it be okay if I called you, you know, and it just kind of went from there and it just exploded. Absolutely exploded. I'm stunned some days how many messages I wake up to and how far reaching my story is. It, it really makes me realize just how, powerful the web is and how small the world really is at some level. You, when I was in commercial radio and I played a clip of a guy in the UK who used cannabis to clear his cancer, you sent me an email saying that you did the same thing and here was your story and I read your story and I thought, oh, I wonder where she lives. And we lived in the same town, which was, was great. And then you came in the studio once a month. We interviewed, interviewed you. And I was actually quite surprised at the calls that we'd get. We'd get calls from all over North America. And, I mean, that was probably, I guess, the best thing I did during the time that I was in commercial radio and had a talk show. But I think what you are doing now to help people around the world deal with ailments and the lives you saved, I think, uh, you know, if there was a medal to be given, Corey Yellen should be given it. Because I think you have done an outstanding service to people around the world, which has cost you a lot of sleep. <laughs> yeah, a lot of sleep, a lot of gray hair, old before my years, but, <laughs> but you know, so fulfilling. And I, you know, I just want to take a moment to thank all of the people that help me. Because without these oil makers, I couldn't help these people. Okay. So these people put their freedom on the line around the world to help total strangers. You know, and certainly I do the same, but these people take it a step further. We really need to give thanks to them. We certainly do. And we should point out that we get emails at Cannabis Health Radio wanting to know where to buy oil. And that is something that is extremely confidential. We don't give out the names of people who make oil. And someone sent an email the other day saying, where can I buy Corey Yellen's oil? And Corey Yellen does not sell oil. We do not sell oil. And the selling of oil is illegal. Uh, As you mentioned, what these people do to provide oil to complete strangers is truly remarkable. It it really is. It really is. Yeah. Corey, how many lives have you saved, would you estimate? I 
think probably over 2000 now. Yeah. 2000. Probably over 2000 now, I think. Yeah. I know you still get emotional when you get an email from someone who says, you have saved my life. Thank you very much. And they, they give you some of the details. And I know when you and I did the talk show on commercial radio and got that notice from that woman in Toronto who said we saved her, her daughter's life, that had an emotional impact on me. But you get these stories every single day. And you'd think that after a while, you'd somehow become rather blasé to hearing stories like that. But you never do, do you? No, it's what keeps me going. It's what keeps me going. And there are days that are really hard. I don't know if you saw that post I put up a couple of days ago, but I had a really rough day. The children are the hardest. And I get a lot of feedback that's really positive from the people on my page saying, thank you so much for sharing all of you, not just one portion of you, but, you know, so not just my game face, but my, you know, days when I'm not having such a great day. And things that I said to this person I was talking to yesterday was, I guess the day that I need to stop doing this is the day I stop caring about people and where I'm not emotionally impacted at some level. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I don't know how one could do this and not be impacted. So 10-year anniversary of being declared cancer-free. And Corey, you've got another 40 years of doing this. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am so honored to, you know, have been in touch with some incredible people through this 10-year journey. Yes, it has its ups and downs. It's really, really hard. And people, you know, when they're fighting for their lives, sometimes aren't the most reasonable. Remember we got the request for oil from someone in a South American country that said they wanted it delivered? Yes. <laughs> Didn't they say within an hour or so? <laughs> yeah, that's like that. that's yeah right. it's, it's hard. You know, people are so desperate and they don't sort of realize, you know, what we're about and what we're not about. And so with myself, yes, I can certainly point people in the right direction where they're not going to be scammed, but I don't myself sell oil just to be, you know, repeat what Ian already said. We don't sell oil. I don't make oil, anything like that. And also people who are writing Cannabis Health Radio, we get a lot of emails and Ian forwards those to me when people are seeking help or advice. So please check your trash box because nine out of 10 times, I don't hear back from people when I respond to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I expect they're not seeing it. So it's going to come from manababe at Gmail. Corey, one of the things that we've discussed relatively frequently when we're talking to people who have dealt with cancer and have resolved the issue is diet and the change in diet and how important that is. Talk about that, what your diet was like before and after. Well, my diet before and after is a little disappointing for all those dieteers out there, okay? <laughs> because you're, you're not going to come in my house and find cookies and cake mixes, craft dinner and Campbell's soup. You're not going to find that today and you wouldn't have found that 11 years ago. I have a little garden outside that I cram a bunch of stuff into. I eat fairly healthily. I, I certainly am not vegan or anything like that. And I'm always straight up with people too, you know, every night. I took my oil with a glass of wine. It's all about balance, okay? But sugar and processed foods are the absolute worst. Some people will tell you vegan, alkaline, organic diet. As someone who has sat on stage with some of the top minds in the world on this, 
both scientists and doctors, they will tell you, you need a form of animal protein two or three times a week, be that in the form of, you know, wild run salmon or fish, antibiotic free chicken, etc. So but the two big ones are sugar and processed foods. And you know, I have a woman that I'm helping right now, who lives in a very remote community, and she has Hodgkin's lymphoma. And we've got her on oil. I was video chatting with her on a regular basis. And you could see this tumor, which is on the side of her neck going down, 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 progress every week. And she was so excited because she was going to have her grandchildren up for 10 days. Um, She doesn't see them very often because she lives so remotely. I talked to her two weeks later on video. And even as I tell you now, the hair on my arm stands up because I could not believe what I was seeing. And I looked at this woman and I said, oh, my God, what happened? And her tumor had tripled, tripled in size in two weeks. She said, Corey, had the grandkids here and we ate chocolate and had Easter egg hunts and piñatas. And she had eaten that. And that was only that her kids were only there. Her grandkids were only there for 10 days. Wow. So, you know, do I think everybody responds that profoundly to sugar? No. But that sure was smack in the face moment. This is what sugar can do. And it had actually messed. And we are Mm -hmm. only now, so that was April. It had messed in that two-week period as well. And we are only now, as of a couple of days ago, getting a handle on it again with her. That's how long it's taken to recover from, even though she didn't go off oil the whole time. Just Mm -hmm. that impact of that sugar was enough to metastasize it in that two weeks. Well, you you have a great line that uh, sugar is miracle grow for cancer. Yeah. Ingesting sugar is akin to, you know, pouring miracle grow on your cancer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Corey, it's uh, wonderful to hear your story again. And uh, I think you are a remarkable person. And I feel honored to do this podcast with you. And I love you like you were my sister. Well, Ian, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate all our listeners and the people that share our story. You know, my story, everybody else's story that we share with them. So it's all about passing it on. Right. And uh, that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects Network. Network.